Living on a Thin Line with a Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick, and we come to you, just making sure everything's on, just making sure everything's on, there we go, we come to you, uh, there, no, <laughs> we come to you each week, five days a week, at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, we are your daily distraction for all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. We come to you on a multitude of platforms. That's why I'm a little slow starting nowadays. It's, it's not why I'm a little slow. A lot of people say that was uh, due to uh, uh, over-exuberance in the, uh, uh, the liquor department when I was younger. Um, we come to you uh, uh, on a multitude of platforms, including but not limited to Spotify, SoundCloud, Mixler, ComedySchoolsRadio.com, and right here on Facebook Live. The show lasts about 30 minutes. That's all we ask of you, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, five days a week, which is ask 30 minutes of your time. We don't ask for four hours of your time. We're not trying to sell you a bunch of junk. There won't be two and a half minutes of commercials telling you about uh, your extended uh, car warranty or where to buy your freedom seeds or where to buy your gold, you know, or, or uh, trying to convince you to get a home security system. Uh, going, hi, friends, Tony Vizicator. You know where I got my home security. It's not going to happen. Okay, just about 30 minutes, not even 30 minutes once I get finished with the opening. 30 minutes of your time, and what we do in those 30 minutes is at the end of each 30 minutes, we recommend one artist or one piece of music based off our vast vinyl album and compact disc collection. Uh, Sometimes we have a knick-knack or doodad or falderall or signed copy of something or a comic book, uh, some sort of fluff that we show you visually and try to weave a personal story around the most important part of this show. Ladies and gentlemen, are your questions and comments as we traipse through the 30 minutes because they, uh, uh, more often than not, uh, shape the tone and tenor of the show in a far more entertaining way than anything comes out of my feeble little skull. It's uh, Wednesday. Oh, no, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Life is moving. Life is happening. Uh, it's a little cloudy out in Arizona uh, where I am. It's a monsoon season. It's monsoon season here in Arizona. Um I don't know how recent that uh, uh, that name was assigned to this time of year, monsoon. Monsoon is generally um, uh, thought of when you're talking about uh, uh, more uh, tropical climes. You're thinking about uh, Thailand or uh, some part of the world will rain heavily and continuously for days on end. Uh, just like haboob is a relatively uh, recently added term to the Arizona lexicon. That's the giant dust storms that roll through. Uh, Haboob is some sort of derivative of a uh, Arabic name. So when uh, soldiers were in Desert Storm One and Desert Storm Two, we always have a couple. Don't we Vietnam. We know we only had one Vietnam, but uh, World War One, World War Two, Desert Storm One, Desert Storm Two. Uh, that it was some sort of derivative of a name for the giant sandstorms there, and then it was brought over to this country. And then all of a sudden, we all started calling them haboobs. Anyway, it's monsoon season. Uh, the unfortunate thing is all we're getting is clouds and not much rain. We're getting clouds and not much rain. Uh, I was reading an article because I read articles. People go, tell them, what do you do with your time? I go, well, I, I do a lot. Well, why don't you explain to us what you do? Well, I, uh, I read articles. Well, that must take up a lot of your time. Well, it depends on how many articles you read. I was reading one recently that said Lake Mead which supplies, uh, is one of the most important uh, lakes as far as water supply. It's a fake lake, by the way, Lake Mead. It's not a real lake, you know, like Lake Superior, you know? It's not like that. It's not like one of the Great Lakes. 
Fake needs a fake lake. We built it by damming the Colorado River. I don't know if you build a lake, you dig a hole and then water fills in. Because without the water, it's just a hole. You could say we dug the hole. Okay, but we didn't, uh, we didn't make the lake. The water makes the lake. Uh, damming the Colorado River and uh, supplies water to about 40 million Americans in the uh, American West and Southwest. And it's nearing a Deadpool status. Deadpool, and I'm not talking about the cool comic book superhero, Deadpool, which always confuses me because the guy looks like Spider-Man. And I'm not deep into pain enough in all this DC Universe and Marvel Universe stuff to uh, know all I know is uh, Deadpool is the guy who looks like Spider-Man, but then I go, is he Spider-Man? I go, no, he's not Spider-Man. I go, wait, he's dressed like Spider-Man. You know, it's not him. Uh, reach a Deadpool status, meaning that there will not be enough water in the lake for it to run into the um, runoff areas or river areas that will allow it to um, uh, make the dam work, you know, that generates electricity. So when I think about that, I go, why do I worry about anything at all that I see on television today? So we saw that the Supreme Court overturned a 100-year-old um, gun restriction law in New York. A couple of guys uh, in upstate New York who wanted guns were told, uh, now you're a little... I didn't read the exact reason why they didn't give the, uh, these two guys guns. Some guys in upstate New York that wanted to run around with uh, concealed uh, handguns, you know, wanted to be able to throw down at a moment's notice without anybody knowing. Um... Uh, they um, they brought a court case. You know, now, when you hear about that, when you hear about one guy or two guys and a case goes all the way to the Supreme Court, it's usually not because of the one or two guys or even the one or two women or whomever. It's usually because uh, larger forces, bigger forces, giant gun lobby-fueled, financially-fueled gun lobby, gun nut uh, 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 organizations then start paying to get things moving up through our entire court system. Uh, they were denied, and it went all the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court struck down a 100-year-old law, and uh, as it stands right now, we'll really have to see how it plays out. Uh, you can uh, now pack heat right in the middle of Times Square. You can just, uh, you know what I mean? You can get yourself one of those great big winter coats, you know, with a giant hoodie, and uh, you can uh, get yourself all strapped up. And while you're standing there in the uh, discount tickets lane, you can uh, uh, be playing with your piece. Playing with your piece. So it's been my, what I've told people now for a while, and I don't think I came up with this on my own. I'm sure I read it somewhere because I read a lot of articles, um, that um, the modern day conservative movement, and I'm really talking about the conservative movement. It was kind of born out of the 70s and 80s, the Christian right. And the uh, and Howard Jarvis anti-tax movement that kind of gave gave birth to the modern day right, uh, moral majority, anti-tax movement. It gave birth to the, they are not they. It's not there are certain laws they are opposed to. They are opposed to the twentieth century. They are opposed to the twentieth century. The twentieth century was a big fat hairy mess. It had uh, uh, World War One and World War Two. We invented the nuclear bomb, but also in this country, we move forward on human rights at a scale that uh, has never been seen in a nation state of this size before. It was uh, just 
about a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, that women were granted the right to vote. Uh, that uh, laws were passed that made sure that just because the color of your skin was different than the people who were running things at the time, that you wouldn't have your rights taken away, the Civil Rights Act, Fair Housing Rights Act. <coughs> a lot of these people want to repeal the 14th Amendment and the 13th Amendment. I don't know what the deal is with Clarence Thomas. <clears throat> I don't know. For about 20 years, he just sat there with his mouth shut. Now he, um, he talks a lot with his pen, and he talks more and more. And it turns out that his wife <clears throat> may be an insurrectionist at the level that we could well see her uh, hauled, uh, hauled into court by the Justice Department. I'm not saying that I have any evidence of that. All I'm saying is, based on the fact that Jeffrey Clark, who Donald Trump wanted to be the Attorney General of the United States, was hauled by the... Uh, was, uh, 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 drug out of his house today by the uh, DOJ, by the FBI, and all of his electronics were seized. And Ginny Thomas was such a big part of, uh, now we're beginning to see more and more of trying to influence the outcome of the election in ways that are now considered extra legal. We could see the FBI raid the home of a Supreme Court justice and arrest his wife, not because of his opinions, but because she was active in trying to overthrow an election. That could happen. And Clarence Thomas is married to a woman who might, who's gonna have, who said she'll testify for the January 6th committee. But Clarence Thomas seems dead set on undoing all those laws that have been passed for the past 75, 80, 90, 100 years that made it that he could be married to Ginny Thomas that made it that he could walk through a street, walk through a town at night after dark and not be arrested for it. Clarence Thomas seems hell-bent for leather because I think the way this New York, this uh, Supreme Court ruling reads on this New York law, um, he is saying that anytime any judge or any legislature is considering a gun law, they have to think about what was in the mind of Madison. What was in the mind of the Founding Fathers? What was in the mind of a lot of the Founding Fathers was slavery. What was in the mind of a lot of the Founding Fathers was uh, uh, no rights for women. What was in the minds of a lot of the Founding Fathers was we don't want to pay taxes and we want to expand past the Ohio Valley and the British government has made a law saying we can't, we can't expand past the Ohio Valley and we don't feel like sending them money uh, because they saved our ass during what was then called the French and Indian War. So we're going to overthrow them so that we can grow tobacco and have slaves and, and get rich. And then they wrote some fantastic stuff. They don't even, I don't know if they realize how great those documents are and how expandable they were. But Clarence Thomas doesn't believe that they're expandable. So here's what's going to expand. More people are going to get shot. More people are going to be killed. New York's going to become even more unsafe. Large cities are going to be even more unsafe. All because of silliness. All because of silliness. They also, uh, there was a Supreme Court ruling today uh, that kind of affects Miranda rules. Uh, I don't know if you know what the Miranda ruling is. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, there was a ruling saying that you cannot sue uh, the police if your uh, Miranda rights were violated, if they were found to be violated, which pretty much kind of shoots the shit out of the Miranda rights. 
Most people who are listening right now grew up ever since childhood or ever since they were born, the right to remain silent, the right to uh, an attorney, the right to uh, uh, not to self-incriminate uh, at the point of arrest, you think of is just one of those God-given rights that are given us by God. But it was based on a ruling on a case that took place in Arizona. And this Supreme Court has kind of rolled it back. It's kind of rolled it back. Slowly but surely, one by one, little by little, without anyone noticing, a lot of the, you know, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, and I've read a little bit about it, and I am not an attorney, I'm not a lawyer, and neither are you, unless my attorney's watching, because he does sometimes. Um, the, uh, the reasoning, the legal reasoning they're given for rolling back Roe v. Wade has to do with, explicitly it's stated there, that there is no uh, inherent right to privacy. And since Roe v. Wade is based on another Supreme Court case that said, you know, that uh, uh, within the penumbras of the Constitution, there's a right to privacy. So a lot of things that even conservatives take for granted right now as privacy could be taken away. Could be taken away. The... What rises to unreasonable search and seizure could change dramatically. And you don't think it could happen. But it can. All you have to do is read a couple history books. Not even hard history books. You can read uh, like real simple history books. Like, you know, you can read, uh, you know, History for Dummies. Or, uh, I don't know. You can read comic book history. And you can see that human progress, that, you, that, that, that history is not always a forward progress. There are some backward steps. After the Civil War, after the uh, uh, after slaves were freed in the United States by proclamation and by amendment, uh, by the 1880s, 1890s, there was de facto slavery throughout the South, and it was totally sanctioned by the Supreme Court at that time. We went from uh, African Americans actually being in uh, mayors and on city councils and uh, uh, state legislatures and House of Representatives, and I even think the United States Senate, uh, and a lot from the southern states uh, to basically second-class citizens, okay? And a wave of lynchings and uh, horror stories that lasted another 75 years. You're not going to notice it today. I don't notice it today. I'm sitting in my house. I'm looking out the window. I'm looking at a couple computer screens. I'm looking at my Facebook thing. I'm thinking, wow, I should be talking about comedy. I should be talking about comedy. Here's the problem. You have people who are comics. Here's the problem. Many of us, I was going to say us, not you, us, we've reached a point in the society where the opinions of comics override the opinions of important public figures. Our comics have become serious and our public figures have become and, yeah, and I'm a comic. If, you know, if anything, if anything, really, when I'm an old man, I sit in my house talking to myself. But you have comics that are now taken to the airwaves constantly who work from a frontal low position. Well, that ain't right. That ain't fair. I went to the store and, and there was, the line was long and uh, there shouldn't be a long line. I should be able to be in front of the line uh, that are, uh, have taken over your airwaves. Clowns have taken over your airwaves. Clowns have taken over the conversation. It's what they did in the 70s as they began to lower taxes on the wealthy. And as they began to lower taxes on the wealthy, 
in essence, the conversation to the non-wealthy where, well, you don't think, do you think it's fire that they're going to tax you at like a rate of 70 or 80 or 90 percent? Not understanding that that doesn't mean that they're taking 70 or 80 or 90 percent of your money. That's not what it means. It means something else. They go, no, that ain't fire. But I'm a millionaire. Yeah, but you know, it's America. In America, anybody can become a millionaire. Oh, you're right about that. Now, when you become a millionaire, am I going to be a millionaire? Well, you could. It's America. Okay. When you become a millionaire, do you want the government taking 70 or 80? Hell no, I don't. So let's lower the taxes on the rich people now so that when you become a millionaire, okay. That's what they kept doing. That was, that was basically the argument. That's a comedic overview of the argument. And they begin to lower the taxes on wealthy people, lower the taxes of corporations, lower the taxes on wealthy people, lower the taxes of corporations. And all it's done is created a wealthy ruling class that really uh, is a fairly new thing in this country. But, uh, oh hell, who knows? Oh hell, who knows? Let's see who's watching. Virgie Frank is watching from Illinois. Patrick Bean is watching from here in Arizona. Jello Johnny. He says, I like to keep the percentage of apple pie. I sliced myself private. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, uh, Liz Frizia sent me a, a little note telling me that there's a 70% chance of uh, rain here in Maricopa at 3 p.m. So it could rain here uh, just right after the podcast. That'd be cool. But I mean, when it rains here nowadays, it doesn't rain uh, a lot. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh... That was what Liz said. Then uh, Jello Johnny said, I'm surprised. People are surprised by the ruling. The drug dealers are always packing a piece. Um, yeah, we could get into all that. We could get into all that later on. But, uh, you know, I've, I've gone on that rant long enough. Uh, and all of this is because a guy who, in my mind's eye, uh, was barely qualified to host a TV show, uh, became president of the United States, and then put on the Supreme Court right-wing ideologues who were going to bend the ball, who went who went to their job, who became Supreme Court justices, hell-bent on bending the law in a way that would reshape the country and turn it more into 1822 instead of, nine, instead of 2022. Okay? All right. So, uh, let's see. Um, all right. Yeah, we need rain really bad, Jello Johnny says. Well, we're not going to get a lot of rain. You know why? Because we all run around. Uh, we get pissed off if we have to have a catalytic converter on our car to uh, reduce uh, uh, reduce emissions. Uh, we burnt so much shit and put it in the sky that we actually have changed the environment of the entire world. And now we're going to have reduced rainfall. And we may come to a point. I, this, is not the, this is not the apocalyptic hour. We may come to the point where the American Southwest is uh, uh, not as habitable uh, as it is now, because there won't be there won't be no water. But there, but if I become a millionaire, well then maybe you can buy some extra water. All right then, then just keep on burning up that fossil fuel. Keep setting shit on fire, man. Because when I become a millionaire, it'll make no difference. There ain't no water. Because I'll be able to go to the store and buy bottled water. How? How? Uh, what the hell am I talking about? Hey, um, I'm going to get off my high horse. I've been sitting on a high horse. He's on a high horse, isn't he? 
He's on a high horse. You know, I guess it's because I have moved, because I have uh, witnessed gun violence. Because I have witnessed how a gun introduced into a conversation or into a room so dramatically changes things. You would be in a room full of people who are having a, a boisterous argument and all of a sudden someone pulls out a gun goes, I'm going to talk now. That'll chill everybody else's First Amendment rights. That'll chill them. Chill them. Boogie chill them. I guess because I've lived in places where I've seen these sort of things uh, and I've seen I've seen what it can do to a community. I've seen what it can do to a human being's body. I can see what it does. I've seen what it can do to a family. Uh, and so many of the people that I encounter in life uh, have not. And you know, it's different. It's different. You know, I've never, I was never in the military. Uh, I was not. Okay, so you can't thank me for my service. You could. You could thank me for my service. A lot of people go, were you in the military? They say to me like that, were you in the military? Because I, uh, I don't know, I guess I walk around like that. But uh, I was not in the military. Uh, and I uh, have no idea. Uh, I have no first-hand knowledge of what it's like to be on the front line of a war, you know, shooting at a guy uh, while I'm in a ditch at a guy, you know, is in a ditch on, uh, on another side of the field or in a jungle being shot at. I don't know. But you're kind of expecting it. You're hoping it doesn't happen. You're praying to God it doesn't happen while it's, while it's happening. But I think, while that's horrible, is equally horrible or actually more horrible is to be going about your daily life in your home with your family and be under the constant threat of uh, random gun violence. And instead of moving away from that and finding ways to solve that issue, we seem to be moving towards turning the entire country into the bad neighborhood. There was a time you could move out of the bad neighborhood. The oh, neighborhood's going to hell, let's move. Not everybody could. I could. I've done it twice. Twice that I can think of right now. I've also moved out of great neighborhoods because uh, it costs too much. So, uh, I'll tell you something that's not going to cost too much. You know, you want to know? Do you want to know? What's not going to cost too much? Well, I'm going to tell you what's not going to cost too much. If you haven't been in the greater Maricopa area tonight, and the wind is whipping up right now. The wind begin to howl. I can hear it. And I know it's blowing real hard because my dog's behind me feared. The dog, Roscoe. Hey, Roscoe. He gets freaked out by the wind. If you have a dog, you know that they do. They get scared of the wind. They'll attack. An SUV doing 70 miles an hour down the road, they're not afraid of that tire, but a little wind, and they're like, um, I got something free for you tonight, and it is the roost. It is the roost in Maricopa, live, local, fun, and free. Every Thursday, Ralph and the gang over at the roost let us, ComedySchools.com, JP's, ComedyClub.com, take over for 90 minutes and bring you a fun, fun show with some of the best comics that uh, Arizona and uh, the Southwest uh, has to offer tonight. Ernesto Ortiz, my old friend Ernesto Ortiz, headlines a really fun lineup that includes, uh, of course, uh, Liz uh, Freezius, DJ Payne, and the whole uh, uh, ComedySchools.com gang, along with some great surprise guests. So <coughs> if you're looking for something where there's no cover and there's no minimum, and you're in the greater Maricopa area, and you just got came in up to 347, and only if you live in uh, Maricopa you know what I'm talking about, and you're harried and stressed and tired and feeling a little blue, then pop on over to the roost at 7 o'clock. Try to get there early. The good tables go fast. Uh, we got that uh, simultaneous to that. Okay? Two, like, it, it, it's like we live in the multiverse. Jim Perry and I and DJ and Liz and my wife Shirley and Jim's wife, uh, we, we all live in the multiverse. 
where sometimes we've got two, three shows going on simultaneously all over the city. Because right as that show's starting in Maricopa, way up, wander, way up yonder in Gilbert, in the hot town of Gilbert, in the sleepy little hamlet of Gilbert, uh, in the rock and roll town of Gilbert, uh, Nate Beemel is uh, flying in from parts unknown to headline there. So uh, one show tonight and then a great open mic night at 9.30. So that's going on uh, up at JP's. And of course, though, they do it again Friday night with two shows. Saturday night, once again, two shows almost simultaneously. JP's kicks off at 7, 10 miles down the street in Mesa Vito's Restaurant with Sandra Risser. Now, generally, these shows sell out three weeks before. It's a monthly show. Uh, we always have one month out of the year when... Uh, the tickets don't sell that fast, and that's good news for you. So that means there's still tickets available to eat some of the best food, this side of, best Italian food, this side of Mulberry Street, in a very exclusive, intimate, 50-seat uh, dining room, a comedy showroom. Uh, people come down, and they come over and over and over and over again. It's a lot of old people who come over and over and over again, so that's that's something to see in and of itself. <laughs> uh so you can see all your tickets for that, and you get tickets by going to vetoes.bam, that's with two M's, bam, tickets.com. Only a few seats available, but there's still a lot of times comics will go, hey, um, I tried to get tickets for my family because I'm on that show, and I go, yeah, and they go, but they say there's nothing available, can you get me in? I go, I physically can't do that for you, the place is full. So uh, vetoes.bam, tickets.com to get uh, tickets for Veto Saturday night. And then Sunday night, uh, we merge these two worlds together. The ComedySchools.com and JPsComedyClub.com uh, worlds merge together because uh, uh, Liz, DJ, and I, and uh, that whole gang, uh, and we're all—it's kind of like it's kind of like the Trinity, only it's two, and it's not religious. So it's nothing like the Trinity. Forget I said that. Forget everything I said for the first fifteen minutes today. Uh, what the hell do I know? Um, we've got uh, funniest comic in the valley. 60 come in, one comes out, $1,000 cash prize. But that's no longer true because we've added prizes. At feature spot, at feature spot at JP's Comedy Club. Third place, we'll get a guest spot uh, at the Tempe Center of the Arts sometime in the fourth quarter of the year. So we got great shows going on for you all weekend. Get it all up at JP Sunday night. it all up at JP Sunday night. Up at JP Sunday night. Funniest comic in the valley. So uh, the best we've been doing the we've been doing com comedy contests in this city for decades. We know how to put them on. And what's our secret? Okay, it's a comedy contest. Okay, it's a comedy contest. But it's a sh forget. You never forget. You never forget that what we're doing is putting on a show for an audience. That for all yes that happens together. Yes that happens. And not just for all of us to have a good time and for grown people to act like uh, adolescent goofballs. Yes, that happens. But what's really going on and what makes it survive and what has made our business survive now in this city for going on 22 years, we are the longest running comedy enterprise in the greater Phoenix area, uh, is that we always have the audience in mind. So if you're sitting home going, should I come to one of these shows? Come on down. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. To make sure that you have a good time. Okay, we got all that going on. Uh, what, how much time I got left? Only a couple minutes. Uh, I want to get to the music, okay? I want to get to the music. I want to go to our featured artist of the day, okay? Uh, I've got one here. 
I was going to go with something else, but then I came across this album. Now, you may or may not know the deal about what we do. We don't have a, a music license, and we're not really interested in getting a music license. Not interested in putting out the kind of scratch at this point. So we uh, uh, talk about certain bands and artists and music and maybe reintroduce them to people who have forgotten about them or introduce them to people who have never heard about, of them before. And our rule is we actually have to own a physical copy of... Uh, uh, the music either on a 45 or even a 78 uh, or a CD or a cassette or an LP album to talk about it. This was one of the great monsters of the 70s. This music was the background music for hundreds of parties, for millions of lives. And we're talking about something that was not a studio album. We're talking about an album here. If, you, if you're from Ben, you know. What you're looking at, I'm going to put it up a little closer. What you're looking at is a picture of the Allman Brothers. What you're looking at is the front cover of the Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore East. And this was in the works that were done in the early 70s. You know, when I talk about the 60s, when you talk about the 60s, it was really, it really culminated in the early 70s. The Rolling Stones doing their best work in the early 70s. The Grateful Dead doing their best work in the early 70s. Bob Dylan doing uh, his best work in the early 70s. All these guys who were uh, giants of the 60s, uh, even the Beatles, as you got right into 1970 or so, right as they broke up, their work just being stunning work. Uh, these bands had been together for 10, 15, 20 years, and uh, they were really reaching the peak of their powers. And there were these incredible albums came, that came out that shaped music for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And this band, more than anything, the Allman Brothers, uh, shaped uh, music in ways that they did not envision. They were a blues-based band. They loved uh, uh, Southern black blues and gospel blues, and that's what they played. Uh, but they also get, then gave birth to the Southern boogie music. Without the Allman Brothers, there would have been no... Um, hold on. I just had a computer go completely dead. Oh, there it is. Okay, without no, um, there would have been no uh, Leonard Tucker Ben Boogie Mute uh, said it made a good happen. Some people said it made a good happen. Some people said it made a good thing. I disagree. But a band that was made up of two brothers, Dwayne Allman, Greg Allman, and then Dickie Betts, Barry Oakley, uh, Jay Johnny uh, Johnson, and Butch Trucks changed what came out of your radio for years. And everybody and anybody, no matter how broke you were, and even if you didn't have a stereo, had a copy of the Alma Brothers live at the Fillmore East. Two brothers, two drummers, they change music forever. Uh, the song that I'm going to um, uh, recommend is a song that the uh, opening bass is um, is foundational. The opening bass line, the opening, uh, the opening of this song is just stunning. And they, as much as uh, bands like Iron Butterfly and Canned Heat, um, really, and the Grateful Dead kind of ushered in the long song. Bob Dylan did with Like a Rolling Stone in 1965, being coming in uh, at like five and a half minutes as far as top 40. But as far as having an entire side of an album being one song, or almost the entire side, no one did it better than the Allman Brothers with Whipping Post, which is uh, side four. It clocks in at 22 minutes and 40 seconds. It's one of the coolest, darkest, heaviest, head-whipping, hair-waving songs you've ever heard in your entire life. 
It's one of the greatest jam songs of all times. And you're hearing that from me, a Grateful Dead fan, that this rivals, it almost rivals uh, uh, Dark Star of the Eleven or St. Stephen by uh, the Grateful Dead. So uh, for those of you who are there, you remember, you remember all those late nights when you were in an altered state, when you were in an altered state of consciousness and whipping posts would start playing on the radio or when you dropped the needle on a record and just kind of laid back and let that music take over every cell and fiber of your being. For those of you who haven't listened to it before, but you got a little time, sit down, turn it on. Turn on, tune in, and drop out and listen to the Allman Brothers doing Whipping Post, which of all the songs on that album, this is one that you go, surely this must have been written by Robert Johnson or Willie Dixon or Howlin' Wolf or Blind Lemon Jefferson. This must come from deep, deep, deep in Mississippi someplace. This must have started out on a slave plantation. But according to the liner notes, it was written by none other than Greg Allman himself. So not only did they play the music, they learned it and loved it and wrote one of the great rock and blue songs of that generation or any other. Okay, that is our show for today. I want to thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with more thrilling tales from yesteryear right here on Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.